Welcome to Your Life and Money, where we believe that financial planning is not just about numbers, it's about your life. I'm Brad Smith, joined always by Tim Barodi, and each episode we'll be sharing stories from real people who have used life-centered planning to achieve their goals and dreams. At Advice First, we believe that the key to financial success is aligning your money with your values and your priorities. And we're here to help you do just that. So sit back, relax, and let's get started on the journey to a life-centered plan. Well, joining me today, I'm very excited to have Ian Goodman, who's flown all the way from Vancouver into our office uh, to help us out with a, with a couple events uh, to, that we're doing right now and, uh, and agreed to do a podcast. So Ian, welcome to our office and welcome to Kitchener. Thanks for having me, Tim. Uh, happy to be here and, uh, and discuss uh, to your clients what we do. Yeah, so Ian is a Senior Portfolio Manager with Watermark Private Portfolios. And so Watermark, or WPP, you'll, you'll probably hear us say it a couple different ways, um, is under the Harborfront umbrella. So again, Brad and I advice first. Harborfront is our dealership, and then Watermark is under that Harborfront umbrella. So um, Ian, tell us a little bit about, yeah, your story, how you got involved with Harborfront and, and Watermark and, and these porf- and on the portfolio side of things. Yeah, that's a good, uh, good question, uh, t- Tim. Um, I, I started my career in, uh, in, ooh, what are we, like 2005, kind of, you know, working on the portfolio team at Canaccord. So same sort of idea of what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. From there, uh, I had an opportunity to move to Aviso and, uh, and, and go from sort of more of the trading or admin side to the portfolio manager side mm-hmm. and, and take a, you know, more leadership role. And uh, and then this opportunity came came across where uh, I uh, I actually started the the portfolios from uh, from day one with no assets and oh. uh, I got to kind of you know build them from 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 the beginning which was uh, I thought was a really uh, neat opportunity and uh, I liked the entrepreneurial spirit of uh, Harborfront so it was for me it was a you know, it was an, an amazing opportunity yeah and so how was that process essentially building out some and and we'll get into it a little bit in a, in a few minutes here, but essentially it's something that was brand new in Canada at the time, right? Yeah. Uh, that you were started to build out. Yeah, it was. I, I think like because I I came from two other firms and I I saw what was was good and and what was not so good. Um, it, it you know that experience you know gave me a good starting starting point of, of where where I could begin, and and knowing that. Uh, Harborfront was looking to do uh, things in in the alternative space, mm-hmm. which really does diversify your portfolio. Instead of just having traditional bonds and traditional stocks, you have a, a few other asset classes which which are not correlated to to those markets. So, um, being given the opportunity to build something from scratch with with those uh, with but those parameters was yeah it was really 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 attractive for for me nice and so now it's been a couple of years what does your team look like now i'm assuming it was mostly just you as as you got started yeah i was uh, i was i was pretty busy guys i I still pretty busy in 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 a different manner but uh um we now have uh four other team members and we just hired a cio as well Mm -hmm. so uh the firm's grown quite quite a bit since i first started 
and you know we started with zero dollars in this program and now we're one almost 1.7 billion and uh, almost 35 percent of the firm's money runs through our program because of of how how well it's done awesome and and i know it was a big attractive factor when we were looking around and again made the move to harborfront just last year um that this platform the watermark platform was one of those big attractors so um, give me a little bit of a, maybe like a high level outline of what is the premise behind the platform? What is it you were trying to really do? You said, again, you saw some things that worked and didn't work. You had the alternative space. Um, yeah. What is the, how, or how does the watermark program benefit clients? Yeah. So, I mean, clients are our number one, uh, priority or our goal is to make sure the return not not the returns the risk we manage risk not mm-hmm. returns and if, if we manage the risk well the returns will, will be there so we manage risk and and with with clients you know we again we're trying to manage no large drawdowns um lower volatility so they can sleep at night but still get the returns they need um and having asset classes such as private real estate where, they, you know, you're investing in Canadian apartments, um, you know, private credit with, you know, lots of, you know, Canadian mortgages um, and then some some private equity. It, again, it just it just gives you different asset classes and more tools to, to build the, the client portfolio. Perfect. And I know, again, when when Brad and I are working on the financial planning side of things, trying to find that consistency is i mean it it can be difficult especially you look back over volatility in public markets over the last couple of years and so when we're projecting out financial plans and saying okay you need x percent or y percent and this is kind of your your tolerance for risk um this program has really provided an additional alternative that we're a lot more confident in, I guess, going forward. And um, yeah, how do you manage that risk when, you, when you're looking at the portfolio? Yeah, so we, we kind of have like core holdings. And, and again, we have those three other asset classes. And, and they, they, the returns on those private real estate and private credit are, are pretty predictable. So the private credit pool, um, which is offered by our, our sister company, uh, Willoughby Asset Management, is is a fund of funds and it's got over 20 funds in there it it's averaged around six to six and a half percent over the the five years it's been in inception um so yeah again like you know almost every month it's it's returning almost almost half a percent just a little bit less on on average so number one and then that's uncorrelated to bonds it's uncorrelated stocks it just seems to spit out the six percent every year so then you take a little bit of that, you take a little bit of the private real estate, which it, it seems to average between six and 10. You do throw some public equities in there. And then, you know, now that rates in the interest or interest rates in the economy are higher, we, we have pivoted back with some of our, you know, some of our uh, allocation and your portfolio to, to, to public income. Um, so when you, Combine all that, you get a you get a much more stable portfolio. I mean, last year as a, as a great example was probably the worst return for your traditional balanced portfolio of, of fifty to sixty percent stocks and forty to fifty percent bonds since the Great Depression. It was down twelve percent. You know, we have inflation, so bonds went down while stocks went down. 
typically that's, you know, you have your bonds in there to offset the right. risk in the stocks. And that just didn't happen last year, but our, our portfolio held up. Um, yeah, you know, a lot better. We, we, you know, in our balanced, we finished the year just, just about up 1%, which I know 1% doesn't sound great, but when the alternative was down 12, we're protecting your capital as, as we mentioned and, and, and reducing the risk. Right. And again, it's, it comes back from, from our perspective to that planning, right? Of what do we, what do we need to, or what does the plan call for? And okay, now this gives us some alter, um, some alternatives to that traditional investment kind of mix that the average Canadian typically has exposure to, right? And and again, last year was a great year as to see most people were all in the same boat because most people are invested fairly similarly, and uh, and yeah, it was it was obviously a challenging year there. So when you're for our listeners, when you're talking about the private, like, I guess maybe, could you explain a little bit what is the real difference between, again, maybe what a private real estate or what the private real estate pool is versus, again, I know you can go out on the public market and buy a REIT, a real estate investment trust or, or a real estate kind of focused investment. How are they different and why does one provide a very different return and risk profile than the other. Yeah, great, great question, Tim. Uh, you know, the biggest difference is is money can kind of go in and out of the, the public market on the on the stock market. So you know, there's there's a, a an ETF um, that is a public REIT, and and if if investors are putting money in there, it can kind of get overbought if they put too much in. And if they, they, you know, and then they freak out when, when it starts going down, everybody's taking out their money, can get oversold and, and, and kind of, you know, you get your roller coaster ride, right? But on the private side, when these, when, the, when our, when our investments that we're buying uh, inside the pool, when they need money, they can reach out and say, hey, we're going to buy this new building. Um, we need X amount of money. If they can't find enough investments, they can just close that pool for new money. So they're kind of controlling that, that how much money goes in and out uh, on a on a on a better way or a more you know more efficient way. So that if they don't need, they're not going to just take money and just do nothing with it, and 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 that just sort of manages the volatility better. So they're ma- matching cash flows um, with the with their needs which results in, in a much stable return for, for our investors. And then um, the other big difference is obviously on the liquidity side. So could you explain maybe a little bit about, again, why that is um, on the private side and, and again, how that's managed in the structure that, that is in this Watermark program that to maybe alleviate that risk as, as much as possible. Yeah, so money money going in there, we just talked about it. If they, they, don't, they don't have enough, you know, they're going to buy a new apartment building, then they need money, they'll open it up for, for investors or, you know, if, if they've, you're going to build a bunch, they've, they've got great opportunities, they're going to open it up. Um, now, if everybody wanted their money out at the same time, that would uh, clearly be an issue. Right. Um, <laughs> thankfully, these 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 companies we work with are very very good at managing their cash flows and their their returns are, are, are have been solid so people are not taking their money out but if it, you know if everybody wanted their money again they, they'd have to start selling buildings and then and then they'd have to you know maybe restrict the amount of people who 
can sell at one point in time. So instead of just having one of these investments inside our, our fund, we have a fund of funds with you know uh, t- almost 20 investments. On top of that, we have uh, a cash wedge, which, which means part of the, the pool right now is invested in high interest savings because we're earning 5.3%. So we are diluting the return down a little bit, but in this rising rate environment, Reducing a little bit of the risk on on those individual pools is uh, is a very good idea. And then on the bigger wa- uh, watermark private portfolio side, the portfolios are not a hundred percent of those. You know, we we kind of cap it at f- around fifty percent. Mm-hmm. So fifty percent of uh, of the portfolios are always liquid, and then the other fifty is is um, in the privates and. You can't get your money out right away, but the private real estate pool is is month end plus three weeks. The private credit pool is is the sale goes in the month end and then it's a month, and and the private equity pool is the end of the quarter and then another month, um, and that's just because the month end it, it takes another month for them to value the buildings, value the loans, right, right. So the the price is uh, is a little bit lags. Yeah. And, and again, when it comes to, to kind of that being the, I would argue that's probably the biggest drawdown, or not drawdown, but um, downside of these types of investments is that liquidity. But if you've got proper financial planning in place, unless something very unexpected comes up, you can easily, and, and again, we have done this, and um, I'm sure there's some people listening that have experienced this. That it, we can plan around that fairly easily to make sure that cash is available. I mean, I know I'm in contact with your team pretty regularly on, hey, I need cash in this account at this time. And so that we can plan around those those restrictions fairly easily. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's it, most like 99% of, uh, of the time we've never had an issue you know, the worst case is somebody forgot they were uh, to to let the advisor know that they were buying a house and they needed the money in yeah, six weeks, yeah. and and then we you know we we try to work ar- around those issues uh, as much as possible, as you mentioned. But but for the long you know for ninety nine percent of the time, nobody needs that money right away. That's that's why they're investing it for the right. long term for ten years plus. Yeah, and so then okay we've let's say 50% of the portfolio or so is in potentially in some private or alternative solutions. You mentioned again, the other 50% in public securities. How does your team manage that sleeve of the portfolio? And, and again, what's the approach that you take when evaluating again, how, what positions to hold and that sort of thing? Yeah. The biggest, I mean, the biggest thing we look at, like probably the biggest factor is what are central banks doing when they're, when they're increasing interest rates, you know, typically they're increasing interest rates because they're trying to slow down the economy because mm-hmm. there's inflation um, and they want to kill inflation. How do you kill inflation? You cause a slowdown. So if that's the case, then we're, we're more defensive. And, you know, as that cycle uh, goes through and we're, you know, their the economy has slowed and now it's we're in the recession and typically central banks now will do the opposite and, uh, Cut interest rates, uh, stimulate growth, making you know lending cheaper, 
And again, when that happens, then we're gonna we're gonna say, okay, this is a lot less risky. This is actually the good time to to overweight equities or stocks, and and we'll we'll move money more money into the into the stock market. And so as we're, uh, we're so we're recording this at the end of October of 2023. Um, I guess where, without maybe pulling out that crystal ball, which I know you've obviously got, but. Uh, and based on how many people ask me where things are going, everybody thinks we have one too. But um, you kind of just alluded to it. You're still sitting relatively defensively in the portfolios. Um, is there a certain trigger or a certain um, event that you're kind of maybe will kind of dictate when, okay, maybe it's time to, to flip that switch or we're going to wait for a certain period of time. Again, recession's the word that's been getting thrown around for 18 months now. Um, yeah, kind of where where do you think we're at? I totally understanding this is just your opinion. <laughs> yeah, this for sure. This my, my I guess my and my team's opinion, uh, our, our, our team of, of four CFAs. Um, I think we all believe we're sort of late in the economic cycle and um, with the amount of rate hikes that we've seen in the past uh, year and a bit, we're probably in a place where we think a recession maybe hits in the next four to six months. On average, you know, when you when you get interest rates up a percent or two, it's sort of 18 months after that. And that would put us in around the March, April, May area, maybe May, if you know, based on historical interest rate increases around may so because of that yeah we're still defensive and and you know when you get 5.3 percent on a, a cash uh high interest savings i know it's not 10 which you're you know kind of want from the stock market but when you're getting five and the, the toronto stock exchange is, is down year to date or is probably after today is maybe back up one percent um that five percent is actually an attractive rate of return in the sh- in the short term while we wait for for equities to become cheaper and and when we watch the central banks to pivot back to cutting rates then we're then we get the signal okay time to time to dump that cash and when again again and when interest rates come lower that that 5.3 is going to go down to four or three and so we don't want to hold that anymore we do want to pivot out and uh we're just yeah continuing to be a little bit cautious waiting for central banks right and I mean, I can appreciate the defensive approach, and I think a lot of our clients can too, especially as we've kind of seen a return of volatility over the last number of weeks and even months now. Um, that again, when you're looking at the financial plan, you don't want these negative double-digit returns in years because if we're average, projecting an average of four, five, six percent, whatever the plan calls for, if you have a big negative in there, that's a lot of years to kind of make up that and. Um, and so, again, I think we can really appreciate that defensive perspective, even though, again, you might be hearing headlines. And, and we, we kind of got that earlier this year of headlines of markets are setting new all time highs and whatnot. But um, I'm sure you can shed a little bit more light on why markets were maybe hitting some of those all time highs well, earlier. This yeah, year. that's and, I mean, I don't know if that's entirely Correct. I mean, other other than seven stocks is Alphabet and yeah. Apple and your you know Meta and Nvidia, Microsoft. Those you know every pretty much every other company in North America has been flat on the year. Um, 
being the seven biggest stocks when when I'm not sure how much detail you want me to go into, but in March, um, the smaller banks in the U.S. were under under pressure. Central banks pumped some money in, and, and a lot of that money was absorbed by those seven big mm-hmm. stocks because they're massive and can absorb that capital. And now that 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 money's coming back out, actually, those those stocks are uh, are not performing as well. Um, I think Google, for example, was down ten percent last week. Mm, okay, so it's very concentrated. I guess is maybe the best way to yeah, put it. Yeah, it's on it's it's probably year, one of the biggest concentrated markets ever. Like those seven stocks are are making up. Um, massive amount, forty percent or more of the S P five hundred. Gotcha. Okay. So then, as we're again, as we're looking ahead, um, how does the environment we're in impact then the back going back to like the private pools a little bit? Um, does it? I know you you've said a couple times again we're adding in some non market correlated pieces, but again the in my head, if, if I'm hearing interest rates are going up and I know I'm invested in some mortgages, I feel like there's still got to be some sort of correlation there and, and kind of some impact. So what, I guess, kind of what does that look like and, and how is that risk being mitigated? Yeah, so, and again, in our private real estate pool, I mean, interest rate, or sorry, interest rates have been going up, it's, inflation's been going up. So the higher, the higher inflation's is resulted in higher rents um, which has been captured by those, you know, the, our private real estate companies. Mm-hmm. Now, higher interest rates also means that they value the the businesses um, with higher interest rates, which is is not not as good. So it means the value of the business comes down because interest rates are higher. So there's a little bit of an offset there. Mm-hmm. But on net, we've seen positive returns in the real estate side, and on the on the private the, the debt or the private credit income side, we've um, the interest rates in there are actually floating. So as interest rates go up, the return should go up too. But again, just as, as, I, as I mentioned, we're, we're trying to manage risk on our port, the overall portfolio side. Those, inside those, the, both those pools, they've also taken the cash position a little higher than they traditionally do, more so in the private credit pool, which I think they're running roughly 15% cash at 53 just in case, you know, we do see some volatility in, in Canadian mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, they've reduced the position just, again, to, to mitigate some risk. Perfect. And, and again, I'm sure people will be glad to hear how active you guys have been maybe this year. And, again, on, on focusing on that um, downside protection, capital preservation, um, because, again, that's for most people, whether they like to admit it or not, that is their most important um, or what they look at the most is, hey, did I lose money this month or last month or this year or last year? Um, even if you say you're a growth investor and you're willing to put up with some volatility, not many people <laughs> like to actually experience it. And yeah, see when, it. Uh, when, that, when the market turns, they're not a growth investor anymore. No. It's <laughs> uh, my experience over, over my almost 20-year career. Um, so I guess before we wrap things up for today, um, kind of put you on the spot a little bit, but any last thoughts or anything, again, that you'd like to share about, again, the platform with Watermark, um, again, why is this or why do you feel like this is a, is a good tool for, for clients to, to have in their toolkit um, and in light of, again, where we're at and, and kind of where we're heading? Again, it's just 
most investors in Canada don't have access to the the private investments. Um, Harborfront's been sort of a, a, a forefront or the the first kind of mover in this in this space for for Canadians, and uh, so far the results have been very positive. We think the, the they'll continue to be positive. Uh, mo- most likely, I mean the, the the biggest the biggest reason is the Canadian. Uh, you know, in the past year, we've had, you know, we were the top uh, immigration in the G7. We think that trend continues. And, and because we're seeing so many immigrants move to Canada and we just don't have enough houses or, or, or the ability to house these people. So the demand for rental apartments, will, we, we think, will continue to be high, um, w- which should, you know, continue to provide strong returns for our, our private real estate and on our mortgages. Again, which are not correlated to, to public equities. So, no matter how the stock market performs, we should still be able to get decent, you know, decent to uh, strong returns outside of that space. Awesome. Well, again, thank you very much for for your time today. Thank you for for flying across the country. I know it wasn't just for this podcast episode, but uh, also just for taking the time to talk to our clients and again, kind of go through some of these points. Um, you and your team are very much appreciated uh, by us here at Advice First. And um, yeah, we really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks. And, and, and uh, we, we uh, value our, our partnership with you guys. Um, you, you, and, you and Brad and your, your clients are, are, are top notch and uh, very, very easy to work with. The fact that you have your financial plans um, out for the long run makes it easier for us to manage money knowing that they're for the, for the long run. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for tuning in to Your Life and Money. We hope you found this episode informative and inspiring. If you have any questions or feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at advice-first.ca. Remember, financial planning is about more than just money. It's about living the life you want. So take some time to reflect on your goals and priorities and let us help you create a plan that aligns with your vision for the future. We'll be back with more stories, insights, and strategies to help you get the most out of your money and your life. Until then, take care and keep planning for the life you deserve. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.